This is the Wisconsin Lighting Lab Willcast. My name is Adam Rupp, and my guest today is David Stevens with Cree. David, welcome. Thank you, Adam. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, it's good to have you. I do have to apologize. Um, I'm in the process of losing my voice, but I'm doing my best to get through it. Maybe that means you'll get to talk more than me, which is probably a, probably a good thing. But uh, So, David, let's start out. Give me a little background on, on Cree. If anybody that's involved in the lending biz- business knows the, the name and the, and the brand Cree, but uh, what, what's, your, uh, what's your role at Cree, and um, what's, what's kind of the Cree history over the last 20 years? Sure. So let me start with uh, kind of the history of Cree. Cree was uh, founded as a materials uh, company um, out of uh, several of the founders were from North Carolina State, which is where we're based uh, today down in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, A lot of the early research was done with uh, silicon carbide materials. um, And as they progressed through that, uh, working with some of the diodes and things like that, uh, somebody discovered that if you put uh, current through a diode, you can get the light up. Very cool. And uh, there uh, was the uh, the birth of the uh, LED chip industry. Uh, so Cree, uh, throughout the years, uh, we've been uh, one of the main uh, suppliers of, uh, of LED chips out there. And that's our components division. Uh, many people do know us uh, from the Cree light bulb, uh, which is actually a division of Cree lighting, which is an end uh, user uh, division that was actually sold off earlier this year um, to a company, Ideal Industries, sure. out of Chicago. So that's no longer part of the Cree, but you'll still see that Cree brand name um, out there. Uh, they've got a three-year marketing uh, license uh, for the Cree name. But Cree today is a uh, LED components company, and we uh, primarily participate in what we call the high-power uh, LED industry, which is lighting class, and then the mid-power, uh, which is a uh, smaller, uh, lower light uh, output for um, some of the lower quality type lights out there. Uh, and so we're participating in both of those markets. Awesome. And, and the applications within high power and mid power, we, you know, we work closely with you guys on the high power side of things could be, you know, we, we focus a lot on the 50 to hundred thousand lumen space, um, sports lighting, industrial lighting, that type of thing. What, what other markets, um, are you guys focused on within mid power and high power? Right. I so should say, I should say applications. Right. So there, there's, uh, you know, primarily four applications uh, that uh, the the high power lights go into. The first one is general lighting, and that can be anywhere from, you know, your troffers, your linears, your uh, office lighting, um, including also your outdoor lighting, uh, parking lots, and uh, street lights, things like that. Uh, the second industry uh, that we see is, is horticulture. Uh, which is a, uh, no pun intended, a fast-growing market uh, for <laughs> us, um, especially with new regulations uh, coming on board, and people like to get their lights uh, with the right mix of the white light and the different colors uh, to grow plants, vegetables, and whatever else may be out there. So when you say regulations, is that is that around the, the light output or is it on the power side, or is it other types of compliance? or what? Go into a few more details well, on that. Well, for horticulture, the regulations are, are really uh, a lot of the laws and the individual states are enacting, um, and the, the, the largest... Um, um, so you're talking interest about can- is, can- is cannabis. cannabis. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it's, so it's it, not necessarily at the product level, just uh, the, the legal side of the horticultural industry. Yeah, correct. Because okay. you can grow cannabis with you know yep. a light bulb if you want to, but uh, in order to get the, the most uh, um, uh, yield out of the plants, you're looking to tune that light sure. to a specific color spectrum in order to get the, the maximum yield. Awesome. Um, so the, the third uh, market segment uh, that we see um, in that is uh, signage. 
um, and so that's your, uh, your, it could be billboards, it could be video boards, it could be message boards. Um, a lot of them are outdoor applications, but also we see kind of the indoor uh, for a lot of these sports arenas and things like that. Um, and those are going, you know, the, the trends there are to really look at uh, higher densities, um, you know, smaller pixel widths. So you're getting um, not only 1K, but you're also looking at now 4K and 8K HD displays inside of a stadium or even on the outdoor stadiums. Um, and then the, the fourth market that we see is exactly what you guys are, are looking at is uh, lighting up large uh, fields. Uh, it's a sports lighting uh, market, although it has a couple of uh, ancillary sides to that, but it's, it's lighting up um, outdoor spaces and getting the, the, the most light you can um, to uh, have sporting events at night that look realistic and, and people can play without uh, injury. And David, when I hear you walk through those applications, one of the things that sticks out in my mind is those are all types of markets where there's a lot of value to be added beyond just you know, lighting up a light fixture. On the, on the sports side, there's, there's an optics component, there's a power component, um, there's a, a CRI component, there's a tunability component. Um, you know, on the horticultural side, I mean, you're, you have products that are completely dependent on the quality of the, of the light and the quality of the, the LED chips. But that, in terms of the lighting market, it, it, it hasn't always been the case where people are laser focused on specialty markets. You know, 10 years ago, um, when, when, you know, lighting, LED lighting first got into the, the U.S. market, it's probably been a little bit longer than that. But the, the payback was so fast, uh, going from 1,000 watt HID uh, down to 300 watt LED or 400 watt HID down to, to 200, or excuse me, 120 watt LED that you know the, the general space it, w- it was such an easy easy sell in a lot of cases where you know people didn't need the additional value whether it's controls or tunability um, what are the other specialty markets that you guys see potentially leds being used going forward i know healthcare um, is one of them you know disinfecting operating rooms there's i even see uh, uv uh, type products which are um, you know, used in, in um, you know, skin conditions and other things like that. But what are the other specialty markets you guys might get into? Well, you've touched on a couple of those, Adam, and, and absolutely. I mean, in the medical field is, you know, just on, on the very early stages of, of what can you do uh, with light. Now, Crease tends, tends to stay in the visible light range, so we don't do any infrared or, or uh, UV. Um, but there are certain markets uh, inside of that of what can you do with visible light and I think we're just very uh, on the very tip of learning about you know what can be done there. So I think that will be something that we will have to focus on uh, in the future. And you're right, as as LEDs have kind of come of age, um, you know, for a hundred years, people were looking at your standard incandescent. And you go down to the store and you buy a bulb, and it's you say, well, I want either a 60 watt or 100 watt, and those were your choices. Um, and now one of the biggest challenges we have is educating the consumer on, okay, well, what does 5,700K mean versus 3,000K, and what kind of light do I want, and what does CRI mean? Because you do have options now, and it's incumbent upon the the manufacturers of those lights uh, to come up with something that is visibly pleasing to the consumer while uh, not necessarily having to educate the consumer but saying, yes, I like that light. So it's not just an energy savings play anymore. There, no. There's other things that uh, that need to be done to 
um, you know, provide solutions to customers. And that's, so one of the reasons we're doing these will casts is one of the observations I've made over the last decade or so being in, in the lighting industry is the technology people in the industry. So the components, engineers, and the, the people involved in the sciences and, um, you know, other people developing parts that go into products are oftentimes, I think, disconnected from architects and engineers that are specifying products or even the, the end users of the products. There's, there's quite a few layers in the food chain. They all provide a lot of value. But what we're trying to do is connect the technology people that we work with on a daily basis with some of the people that are involved with selling our products and specifying our products. I think we can, we can kind of you know, expedite that process of, of you guys identifying solutions and technologies and educating the, the end markets. So that's, I'm glad you said that because it's one of the things we're trying to do. Right. I, I mean, it, uh, uh, an educated consumer is our best friend, yeah. uh, and that's really what we're trying to get to from both a crease perspective and from a Wisconsin Lighting Labs uh, perspective is you go out and sell to your customers. The more they know, uh, the better off you can help them down that path on what is the right type of light for them. Awesome. And one of the one of the terms that, or metrics that you that we discussed uh, before before the show was TLCI, which sound it's you were kind of explaining it, it's a metric that works alongside CRI, um, and it's beginning to be used for broadcast applications. Go, why don't you go into a few more details on that? Correct, and I, I'm I'm not an expert on sure. this, but I'll, I'll give you what more I know. More of an expert than I am. So <laughs> so it's uh, television lighting color index. Okay, is TLCI. Uh, TLCI is a new term uh, that is being used out there, and um, the purpose of it is to take a look at the lighting that is put onto a sports field for the purpose of um, the, uh, the video um, uh, being uh, shot and being broadcast so that it, it comes out as um, the best uh, rendering possible. So it's not just what your eye sees, but it's what does the television camera see, and then how do you translate that to something that the, the end user will, will watch at a later date. Um, it, you know, in this day and age, uh, not everything is live, and so you're, you're watching it, and you want to get the best experience possible by watching that. So TLCI, again, it's, it's a new um, uh, regulation that is not uh, fully adopted yet, but we're starting to see the manufacturers of sports lighting adopt TLCI standards and basically what that means is it's giving you a higher rendering of the colors um, on the field uh, when, you're, when you're videoing at uh, night. And you had mentioned that, uh, is, is it FIFA that is already starting to adopt that in some of their specifications? Yeah, FIFA is taking okay. the lead um, on that. Uh, the NFL, which is you know obviously a, a very major portion of a lot of video, yep. um, is they have not adopted yet, but they're certainly looking at that. We imagine that you know following that, Major League Baseball, um, will come uh, shortly after that. And then, you know, as, as those adopt it, then you start taking a look at then your college sports and then down to your municipal and, and uh, high school type uh, levels. And, and where do you see IES playing a role in that? Uh, I know when we're doing lighting designs and we're designing applications, if we see it's an NCAA spec, you know, we'll, we'll need to hit certain max to min uh, ratios and, and certain foot candle levels and there's broadcast requirements. Has, has this new TLCI metric made its way into those arenas yet? Not yet, okay. um, but we expect it will okay. uh, do that. It, it's kind of, you know, you start at the top. Um, and again, there's trade-offs because trying to get a, a higher TLCI, a higher index on that, 
there are some trade-offs that you need to make with uh, how much uh, efficacy that you have uh, with the lighting, how many foot candles you can produce. So you've got to balance those um, because, and we were talking on, on the way here, um, you know, what if you did light a field with, say, a 2700K, a very yellow light, which is more sunlight? Um, well, the reason why nobody did that in the past is because a lot of it was because of the, the, uh, the high-pressure sodium um, will give you that kind of light color, but it's not a high enough CRI, so you have, you know, potential on if you're trying to catch a ball or, you know, just viewing it, the, the CRI's not there. So mm -hmm. what the TLCI is intending to do is try and get, strike a balance between just putting out pure lumens and foot candles with how good is that light. So it's a, a quality index that uh, we're trying to specify here. And is that being tuned once it's in the fixture, or is the, the chip itself come from the factory having that spec? Yeah, the tuning factor is not uh, part of TLCI. Okay but certainly could be. I was going to say at the fixture output level, you could have a variety of, of chips and ultimately read it at, at that point versus down at the, at the chip level. But uh, that, would, that would probably require some software and some mixing that would complicate things a little bit. A absolutely. <laughs> it, you know, it's what are your customers willing to yeah. pay for because you, yeah. you can develop a lot of things, but, but what's uh, realistic out there. But I'm glad you brought up the, the color tuning because that is something that uh, we've seen, as, again, as it started in the indoor industry. And uh, just for the, you know, our, our audience out there, so color tuning is being able to adjust from the very, you know, white, uh, you know, almost bluish color uh, light you know, at 5700K or 6500K, and being able to tune that down to a similar light at 2700K. So it gives it more of that yellow, more of that um, homey uh, feel. So there's a couple of, of terms out there, um, uh, sunset dimming or dim to warm. So as you dim a light, it becomes a little bit more uh, yellow color. And um, to a lot of consumers, that's a little bit more pleasing. So that's really started on the indoor industry, right? And as, as you get towards nightfall, you want your light to be a little bit warmer so it's not quite so stark. Is the grow lighting and horticultural market pushing some of that as well? I mean, are there scientists on site that want to be able to dial in the, the spectrum once they understand the plants a little bit better, or is it a different space? No, it's, it's really okay. more of an office environment space. Um, on the horticulture side, they're looking to um, do things on uh, amount of sunlight or sunlight equivalent hours that a plant would see because a plant can't take you know light 24 mm -hmm. 7 so you you turn it off and on but it's really more of an off and on but what we're seeing on the on the uh, the color tuning side is as it's uh, been starting to be adopted into the indoor space we're now starting to see people want to adopt it in the outdoor space um, and so this is brand new uh, we haven't had a lot of you know customers for it yet but uh, they're starting to take a look at is how do we tune light in the outdoor space to make it more pleasing? Because at the end of the day, yeah, we want to get as much light as possible down on the field, um, but you also want it to be aesthetically pleasing to you know, the people watching the game or even the players in the game um, to make sure that they've got uh, the best their, to their best ability to perform whatever function that is, whether it's catching a ball or throwing it or, or viewing whatever they need to. Cool. Well, for not knowing, claiming to not know a lot on the topic, you <laughs> you're very knowledgeable. So that was that was awesome. Um, so touching on the horticultural stuff a little bit more, you know, when people think about that market, they think about cannabis and le legal cannabis. Um, in in a you know it could be 
medically legal or recreationally legal. If you guys take a step back and you look at, you know, kind of the 30,000 foot view of the market, where do you see, like, what percentage is it in the overall space? Are people, you know, are people using, are they growing tomatoes indoors? I know in Europe and even in Canada, um, indoor growing is, is, is um, a larger market in some spaces, but how, how does that market kind of break down from a, a product standpoint? So, um, yeah, because everybody is focusing on cannabis today yeah. because it, it's such a new market. Yeah. Um, but today about 40% of the market is actually flowers. Um, and so uh, it's a fairly um, stable market. It's been around for a long time. Um, you know, your, your standard grill lights for flowers are, have been around for a long time. And that is the largest revenue. And are those vertical grow spaces with many layers of, of trays, or is that more of a greenhouse? It, it's uh, both. It's both, okay. Yeah, it, it, it's, 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 I, I, I've just got to categorize from a, you know, what's out there, not necessarily yeah. the, the way that it's done. Okay. Uh, the second largest uh, market then is uh, vegetables, and you're right, hmm. you know, growing tomatoes indoors. Uh, today, cannabis is less than uh, 10% of the market, or at least it was as of about a year ago. Um, it, it is rapidly expanding uh, with uh, Canada um, legalizing cannabis across the country. Um, it's opened up um, a lot of the growers to new funding. Sure. And that is part of what is limiting it in the uh, United States today as because it's federally it's still not legal. A lot of your largest banks and a lot of your funding sources are not able to um, fund large uh, growing operations. So it's still a lot of individual or regional type uh, operations that are getting funding through um, either angel or private equity uh, investments. Um, and so that's probably the limiting factor right yep. now. If there was um, a national regulation that would open that up, um, obviously I think the market would uh, explode uh, on that. So, um, but as far as a light quality, from a crease standpoint, we're not doing really anything different because we are mm -hmm. not the, the ones that are specifying how much white light, how much red light. Um, that's up to the individual grower. He's got his own, um, and we call them recipes, his light recipe. Um, and so we're just providing the building blocks for them to go put their lights together to, um, to run their own operation. And is that market pretty distributed from an, uh, the non-cannabis growing market? Is it an institutionalized kind of space at this point or large, you know, large industrial applications or is it, is it, you know, people in their backyard growing in a greenhouse? Is it what, if you look at the, the total market, how would that break down? Do you think? Yeah, I think for the, the flowers and vegetables, which have been the long-term markets, yeah. those are, you know, a lot of larger okay. conglomerate type um, operations that have a pretty good idea on exactly what they want. And they're, they're very specific with, with what, what they specify. Um, the interesting thing about cannabis, because a lot of people have gone, gotten into grow lights for cannabis recently is because it is still kind of the wild west out there of everybody says, well, yeah. I want this or I want, you know, this. And, and they don't really have that uh, down as a stable um, recipe for what they want. And so if you're a, a new light manufacturer, you can say, here it is. And somebody can try it and say, yeah, that's exactly what I want. Cool. One of the topics uh, that we talk a lot about is protecting our electronics components. And we've had extremely good luck with, with Cree parts and Cree products, and you guys have been a, a, a great partner over the last few years. Um, I guess from an, a fixture architecture design standpoint, if you had to give an engineering team a few, few rules of thumb to live by when integrating your components or, or circuit boards into, into a fixture, 
you know, beyond, you know, surge protection on the input side, you know, what are some of the other things that you guys recommend for engineering teams to keep, uh, keep the LED chips lighted? Well, so there, there's a couple of things, and you're right. Long-term reliability is, is what we focus on, um, and, and that, that has been one of the hallmarks of Cree, you know, since our inception is we've always focused on the upper end of the market, make sure we're providing a, a quality product uh, to the market. Uh, there are other suppliers out there that uh, focus on different aspects to it. Um, there's a lot of new suppliers coming out of Asia that may not focus as much on long-term reliability or quality um, because they're trying to hit a certain price point. Sure. Um, but Korea is always focused on, on, you know, how can we get the highest quality and the most reliable product out there for our customers? Um, you know, there's uh, one of the things that we do is, is we pay very close attention to what's called LM80, which is a, a Department of Energy spec for lumen maintenance. Um, and, and how long does it take to get to 80% of the light output that you've got? So there are curves we test over, you know, uh, 10,000 hours individual uh, running lights. So we want to make sure that we, we come out with something that our customers are going to have a user experience that they're, uh, that they're not going to have to go out and replace that light because it's starting to, to dim. And it's not only the LED, but it's the overall system that can eventually fail. And, and those, are, those are lab conditions, and certainly things change once they're you know, plugged into the, the grid. Correct. Um, so do you guys do, you guys do any, when you're doing the LM80 testing, are you actually simulating any real-world conditions from what could be transient voltage or it could be you know other types of events that might affect the quality you know we do qualification tests okay you know based on those and do thermal cycling yeah. um, and thermal shock type of testing but on the on the long-term reliability uh, the main thing that we're looking for and, and the main enemy of the led is is heat sure so the longer it's on the more it's going to heat up and so we're really looking to and we run them, usually the LM80 data, we run it at, at three or four different temperatures, mm -hmm. uh, ambient temperatures, to see what happens. And obviously, the hotter the ambient temperature, the more overall heat that the LED is exposed to, the faster it's going to degrade. So we, we do take a, lo a look at that, and we really want to um, characterize our LEDs to be among the best of anybody's out there. Yeah, it's a, it's a great... Um Thing to have your brand associated with <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's a nice it's selling long-term quality yeah no that's 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 awesome well dave anything else you want to want to run through any technology trends or market trends or anything that you know people should know about uh no probably the only other you know macroeconomic thing out there is in in just looking at the overall lighting space is is there's a lot of um back and forth on on tariffs and what's happening you know, in, in We've the noticed. world today, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's uh, and and uh, I wish I had a, a you know crystal ball and I could yeah. tell you uh, what was going to going to happen, um, but that is obviously one of the things that's affecting the, the market today. Mm -hmm. The lighting market in general is in a little bit of a contraction mode, um, and you know the main reason of that is that there was a buildup uh, before a lot of end equipments uh, get tariffed, and so you know today the shipments that we've got are are, are down. So are you saying people were more or less moving purchasing decisions into quarters sooner like more what, what they would have purchased in q4 of, of next year they're starting to more or less pull that into to this year i think they have done that yeah. and, and are carrying some inventory levels yep. uh going into that um so now that the actual shipments that yep. we're making um have started to soften but even in that environment i mean because we take a look at the overall market yep. um we believe that 
um, even with a contraction uh, and what we've seen as, as a, a slight contraction in our LED business, we believe that we're still gaining market share over all of the LED space uh, out there. And we believe that's because of the markets that we focused on, which is the long-term reliability and the high-quality lights that uh, we're doing. We believe that those will continue to be um, a hallmark of, of the markets that we serve. Very cool. Well, it's exciting times ahead. You know, I think, you know, moving into some of these specialty markets and seeing, you know, what types of applications LED chips can be used in, um, I think things have just begun. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, continuing innovation, uh, continue to develop uh, products that that, uh, make your job easier and make your customers uh, uh, more aesthetically pleasing the light that they see out there. Well, thanks a lot, Uh, David. Thanks for driving through the snow. Uh, to get here. Hey, um, it's always a it's, fun time in Wisconsin well, in November. I, well, typically November, we don't even have any snow yet, but it came early this year. So, well, man, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. Yep. All right. Take care.